Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is my bookshop.org store and my Amazon store. I don't know if you guys even know that I have these, but you should check it out because I sell all the books that I've had on this podcast, so you can easily find them and buy them. The bookshop.org site is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And the Amazon shop is amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books. So I hope that you will check out my Amazon influencer store and my bookshop.org storefront. And the bookshop.org storefront also has all the books from my Zibby's virtual book club and some other suggested reads. So I hope you will check those both out and go shopping. Go buy some books from the podcast and support all these amazing authors. Paula Mendoza and Abby Schur are the co-authors of Sanctuary. And I did an Instagram live with them about this book and want to tell you a little more about them individually. Paula is a film director, art activist, author, and artist working at the leading edge of human rights. As a co-founder and artistic director of the Women's March, Paula co-authored the New York Times bestseller, Together We Rise. She's a film director whose films have premiered at prestigious international film festivals and tackled the complex issues of poverty and immigration on women and children in the United States. She was named Glamour's Woman of the Year in 2017 and one of Filmmaker Magazine's 25 New Faces of Independent Film. Co-author Abby Schur, who I've already had on the podcast for her book called Miss You, Love You, Hate You, Bye, is an award-winning writer and performer. She's the author of many books, including All the Ways the World Can End, Breaking Free, Amen, 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 Memoir of a Girl Who Couldn't Stop Praying, and the young adult novel Kissing Snowflakes. Abby's work has appeared in the first season of Amazon TV's Modern Love, as well as in the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, Self, Jane L. Hebe, and Redbook. Abby has also written and or performed for the New York Times, The New Yorker, The Second City, Upright Citizens, Brigade, HBO, and NPR. In Sanctuary, co-authors Paula and Abby have crafted a narrative that is as haunting as it is hopeful. The young adult debut was released to critical acclaim and creates a future dystopia where siblings must escape a xenophobic government to find sanctuary. Hi, Paula. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Sorry it took so long for us to connect on this, but congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for reading it and having me here today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a chilling sort of thought. What would happen if this was reality? How did you envision this alternate universe? Like what made you, how did you think about it? And then how did you make it into a novel or did it all, which came first? (laughs) So I've been working in the immigrant rights space as a storyteller for over 15 years. And I've heard and had the privilege to listen to the stories of immigrants, specifically undocumented immigrants in this country for a very long time. In 2018, the Trump administration implemented a horrible policy called family separation. And what that did, for those that might not remember, is that 
families that cross the border, the southern border into this country were ripped apart from their children and their kids were placed in foster cares. Their kids were placed with strangers at some in some instances. And to this day, almost three years later, families are still not all families have been reunited. So in that moment of despair and darkness, there was a group of us that started organizing against this policy and we organized marches across the country and the I don't want to ever say good news, but there was a positive outcome in that the zero tolerance policy that allowed family separation as we knew it then it stopped and it was ended within six weeks. And then I started to imagine what would have happened if we hadn't stopped that policy. What would that allow the Trump administration to like, what would he have done next? What would have been the horrible thing that he would have done next? And I started to imagine the beginnings of the world of sanctuary. And I started to see this really scary, dark, unfortunate place that I didn't want to live in, the United States that seemed possible, but definitely not the future that we wanted. And so I then asked myself, what's the answer to this horrible nightmare? And the answer was Valley, our main character, a 16-year-old in the book. And she's undocumented in the book, and she she does extraordinary things to protect herself and ultimately protect her community. And that was the beginnings of Sanctuary. And then I, I started working with Abby Schur, who's my co-writer, and the two of us really dug deep into the bones of the book and wrote this together. And what made you decide to have a co-writer? It's a great question. Three things, <laughs> if I'm being really honest. One, I had written a book previously by myself, and I hated every moment of writing it by myself. Okay. It was just to just, I'm a collaborator. I love collaborating as an artist, as a writer, as a director. And that process was so solitary and so lonely that I was like, I will never do that again. That's one. Two, also the Trump administration working within immigration and telling stories of immigrants. What we've seen in the past three and a half years is that Trump really attacks and dislikes immigrants and his policies are really horrible towards immigrants. And so I knew that I didn't have the luxury at this moment in time to post up in my house for two years and write and just write a book. I knew that my I was going to be needed to do other things on top of writing this book. And so in order to accomplish to write this book within the two year time period that we had given ourselves, I had given us because I wanted it to come out before the election. I knew that I couldn't do it alone. And so those are the two real answers. And I think the third answer I would say is that I'm a better artist when I collaborate. All of my previous work, whether it's filmmaking, whether it's visual art, photography, writing, I'm, I'm a better artist. I create better. I enjoy the process better when I am collaborating. And I feel like my voice is actually much clearer when I'm collaborating. So I was excited to experiment with collaborating on writing a novel, which is probably the least, the artistic process that has the least amount of collaborations in it. So how did you do it together? Like, did you each take a section or did you literally, were you on the Zooms together? Like, how did you, what was the process like of your, of your Everyone is very curious, curious. Yeah, I know. I'm always so intrigued by this. How do people do this? It's like, you know, it's like making magic together as like a witch's brew or something. Anyway, it is a witch's brew. It absolutely is. And we didn't like set out with any specific like rules in place. It just kind of fell into place. So we don't live in the same city. We live close enough, but not in the same city. So a lot of the work was actually done remotely. So Google Docs were our best friends. We wrote on Google, you know, live on Google all the time. We would plan out 
the story more than just a detailed outline, like specifically all of the action plot points of what was happening when and how the character got here and what they encountered. And the conversation was about this. And it was a very, 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 very detailed outline, for lack of a better word. So we each knew where the story was going. And then that took, obviously, a very long time because it was so detailed. And then we would go and we would individually write. And our strengths revealed themselves. Abby is much more, her strength is in character and in detail, and my strength is in plot and in story. And so we each knew that that's where our mastery was, and that's what we gravitated to, though it doesn't mean that we didn't work on other aspects of it, because we did. At, a, at certain points, you know, the, the drafts were just going back and forth, and we're editing and writing and editing and writing and going back and forth with one another. So it's unclear, like, exactly who did what because it just becomes this witch's brew as you said we were just there stirring the pot (laughs) well it's great you found somebody you could work so well with I mean that's so great you are great at collaborating I just feel like it's so easy to find the wrong person or you can like someone a lot as a person but maybe you don't work so well together and you don't know until you until you know (laughs) and so hard to get into that when you're writing a book I would think you know it's true. It's true. It's a, it's a marriage, but it's a marriage that will last a finite period of time. So yes. hopefully it doesn't end in divorce. In our case, it did not end in divorce. We're renewing our vows. So that is a good Are you writing another book together? Yeah, that's the plan. We want to. Awesome. We want to write the second book, The Sanctuary. Maybe if marriage actually was for a finite period of time, more people would be able to be successful at it. If you knew, you know, just saying. Maybe it's time. You might be on something. I don't know. Not that I want my marriage to end. I'm very happy. Anyway, back to the book. (laughs) Um, So tell me a little more about your background in film and photography and how it all kind of like, how all this creative, all these creative juices seem to flow in you. How did this all happen? And when, how did you get started? I started off as an actress, actually. I have my undergraduate and my graduate degree in the theater and acting and directing. And so that was what I wanted to do. But then I realized as I started working professionally as an actress that the life of an actress was not for me because I didn't want to tell the stories that were being told. I had other desires for the stories and it was very unfulfilling and and I had nominal success. I was a working actress, but it was just not a happy place for me. And so I decided that I wanted to tell make a documentary. So I picked up a camera. I worked with one of my best friends. He had never made a documentary either. The two of us were like, let's figure this out. And we had a lot of filmmaking friends. So we called them and we were like, we have this camera. How do we turn it on? (laughs) Um, That's where we started. And we followed a family for about a year and a half, really committed to their story and learned how to make a movie while we were making a movie. Both of us did. And then we edited the film, learned how to edit while we were editing and got finished this film. And, and I fell in love with the movie making process. I fell in love with the ability to see a story, envision a story and tell the story how I wanted to tell it. And then I was like, okay, that was a documentary. Let me, I want to write a script. Never had I written a script, but obviously had read so many plays. And as an actress, I'd read so many scripts and I was like, I'm just going to try. And I worked with a friend of mine who had been my editor on the documentary. And I was like, let's write this script together. And then she'd never written a feature script either. And she was like, okay, let's do it. So we figured it out. 
And it was based on my mom's story when we first came to this country and the film is called Entre Nos. And I was like, well, I want to direct this. Let's co-direct it together. And so we co-directed Entre Nos. And that's kind of just been the process. My first book, the opportunity landed in my lap and I was like, ah, I've never written a book before, but let me try. And it comes from this idea of experimenting in different mediums comes from actually something that I, when I taught, I taught quite a lot before I had my son. It was something that I told my students, and it's really this mantra that I live by as an artist. And I would tell my students, don't be afraid to create bad art. We will all create bad art. If you just embrace the fact that what you try and do might be bad, but it doesn't make you a bad artist, it's more freeing because I, I look at my work and what I'm working on as the body of work that I will be work that I'm telling the story, this, the entire body of my work that I'm working on for my entire life. That will determine my value personally. And I'm not talking about the value to the exterior world, but my value personally as an artist. There might be some work that is way better than other work. And there might be, you know, there's some, might be some, there definitely is some bad shit that I've created, but that doesn't determine my value as an artist, nor does the quote unquote masterpiece I might've created determine my value as an artist. It's about the entirety of my body of work. And knowing that it's allowed me to go out and experiment and try things that I've never tried before and get an idea and be like, okay, let's try it. Let's, let's figure it out and let's, try it and see if I like it and see if it works. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. Your son is so lucky because that's like exactly what they tell you to do as a parent is encourage your kids just to try and not to worry about if they're doing it well or not doing it well. Cause that's like how you end up creating all of this stuff. If you're afraid to try and fail, then forget it. Right. It's, mm -hmm. So that's amazing and very inspiring. So, you know, you liked writing. So this is now something you want to like keep doing and not just a, a one-time experiment. Do you prefer different media? Like, which is your favorite if you had to rank them? Just watching um, like film. And more, yeah, I think that I am more naturally a director and I that is definitely my, my initial voice. But in the past three and a half years since Donald Trump was elected to the presidency, I realized making movies takes years to make. Writing a script and getting a movie produced, I, I tend to work in an independent film, takes a very long time. So I knew that I was not going to be able to do that in the Trump administration, that I was, again, going to have to be working on a much faster pace. And so all that to say is that I haven't made a feature film in a very long time, but my heart is like pulling me back to that. And I feel that that is kind of my natural zone as an artist, but to have the ability to, to experiment in other things is really exciting too. So are you going to make this, are you, is Sanctuary going to become a movie? That's what we hope. Yeah. That's what we're <laughs> in process of crossing your fingers. Lots of things can happen, but that's what we're trying to make happen right now. Amazing. Do you have any advice for people just starting out writers, creators, anybody who could use your encouragement? Cause you tried and look how successful you've been. I would say, A, most importantly, don't be afraid to create bad shit, bad art. That's really important. And two, tell the story that is keeping you up at night. Tell the story that you can't ignore. Tell the story that maybe it's lived inside of you for decades and maybe it's, it just like got planted into your heart or just started whispering in your ear. But tell that story because... The road to creating art is a very difficult road. It is not easy. And everything in the world will conspire to make you stop. But if you have this 
this story inside of you that you can't let go, that you can't ignore, you will be able to push away all the things that are telling you to not do it and get to the finish line and tell the story how you want to tell it. So be, be very protective and specific with the stories that you invest in. And will you continue to be like an activist slash creator? Like, would you see yourself as an activist? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, all of my artwork is social in its, in its storytelling. I didn't didn't want to like, I didn't want to label you an activist if you didn't self-identify that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely self-identify, but I do as an activist, but I absolutely identify first and foremost as an artist. I'm an artist first and and an activist um, after my art. Awesome. Well, this is great. Thank you. And now we're going to talk to Abby, but thank you so much for coming on and discussing. And I'm sorry we can't all do this, all three of us. And I'm like a moron for not remembering that (laughs) Instagram couldn't be three ways, but this is great too. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I just want to say that the book is available at all bookstores. Just can click on my link or my name up there. And the link is in my bio and please support women writers, Latinx writers, um, and please support immigration stories and go out and vote right now. If you can, because early voting is happening now. I voted. Bye. <laughs> oh, good. Where do you live? What state do you live in? I live in New York, but I got an absentee ballot because I wasn't sure if I would be in the city, whatever. whatever. Right. So I voted so everyone can leave me alone. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm so glad. That, didn't it feel good to vote? It did. I felt like a huge relief and I felt like I was happy to spend a month telling everybody that I already did it. <laughs> good. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. And now we're going to talk to her co-author, Abby Schur, and let me get her to join. Abby was also on my podcast for Love You, Miss You, Hate You, Bye, which was an, a fantastic book. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you? I, I'm doing something scary just for you, Sibby. I'm doing this from soccer practice for my son. I and I'm sitting on a public bench, which freaks me out. But I thought walking around would be a little bit more disturbing. So, <laughs> did you put like a something down, like I don't know, newspapers or some some? Journal? No, it's just yeah. me. You want to see? Yeah, that's yeah. me. Okay, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be okay. I'm just gonna wash my butt really well tonight. Yeah, get your clothes, put in the laundry. This is so typical. It's like. Mom's done country books. You're at soccer practice. You're Instagram live. You know. Uh, let's hope no one gets hurt. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep one ear over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just talked to Paula. She was amazing, <gasps> and that was so fun. And I didn't know her at all, so that was great. Or I hadn't talked to her at all. Tell me your side of collaborating with her and how it went on this book. I know you've written all by yourself, and now together, what was it like? Yeah. Oh, I have to say, now that I've tasted the juice, it's really fun to collaborate. It really is. I do think of it as a very solitary sport. Writing is a very solitary sport. And I think I've whined for the past 10 years. Like, I just want to do this with someone. And it was really dreamy because we, as Paula said, like, I think we just gravitate towards different things. I gravitate towards the character side of writing and she gravitates towards the plot. And it's not like we set that out for each other, but it really helped us because she had a vision of where these characters needed to go. And then I would need to get in their brains and be like, well, why would they choose? You know, I was staying up at night going like, well, how do they, why would they want to go into a desert? And she was 
staying up at night plotting out how physically they would get out of a desert. Spoiler alert, they get out of the desert, but you know that. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I I feel like you have this great skill of getting into the minds of, I guess, high schoolers. Or I mean, I feel like your last book was all about, you know, helping a friend through a really difficult time and getting through that period of life. And now we have Valley who's getting through this and like dealing with her brother and like eagerly sitting there while her mother, you know, what's going on with her aunt and like all that anxiety you feel as like a pseudo adult. Tell me about that. You know, someone, uh, Tori O'Connell just wrote, you're a, you're a YA savant. (laughs) (laughs) Tori, that's because I'm stuck at that age. I think I've been told by many a therapist, like, are you sure that you're in your forties? Cause you act like a 15 year old. Yeah. I think the teenage mind is really like, I do think that I, in many ways, I'm emotionally stuck as a teenager. And I also think that they wear it all. Like they, they have it all happening to them. They don't know how to, they don't know how to hide it very well. I mean, they put on a good show, but they don't know how to hide their feelings very well and they don't know how to process them very well. So it's, gives me as a writer a real treat to like try to process it with them and I think we you know we have we've been talking to some middle schools and high schools now which has been really really fun so we're talking to students who are this age and it's fascinating to see Valley doesn't want to be an activist. Valley doesn't want to be a revolutionary. She doesn't want to be in the limelight. She doesn't want, you know, she's not like someone who's even going to go try out for the spring play. She's a very, a thoughtful, a thoughtful teenager. She wants, you know, I mean, she's concerned about friends and lip gloss and like things that we all are concerned about. There's no part of her that's like, I'm going to change the world when we start the book. And she's forced into this role and I think that's how a lot of us learn our, our skills, you know, is that we're forced into it. I didn't want the circumstances I was raised in, and she certainly does not want the circumstances she's raised in. And so it was fun seeing a class the other day be like, well, like, how do you learn how to fend for yourself like that? Or how do you know that there are, they didn't know you know, exactly what it meant to be undocumented. And Paola's really, really great at explaining it to any age. But it was really fun to see how a 16-year-old processes that literally, like, right in front of you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, do you, Paola was saying she identifies first as an artist and then as an activist. Where are you on the activism scale? Like, I think, well, I think she's changed me. So I didn't start this book thinking that I needed to be an activist. I thought, like, Moms don't have time to read. Moms don't have time to get out and, you know, I'll march. I have my pussy hat. I will do all those things that I can. But at the end of the day, I also have soccer practice. Like, I I don't know how to do that without somebody really falling through the cracks. But Paula has definitely inspired me to take more action. And I brought my kids to a lot of marches. They did, you know, family separation marches and and now I just don't even offer it as an option. I just say mom has to, you know, mom has to go canvassing. And if there is an argument, I guess it happens when I close the door. <laughs> That's really great parenting. Don't take this advice. <laughs> I'm actually, I was sitting there thinking, wow, this is impressive. And if I say like, I'm going to the doc- this doctor's appointment or something, they're like, why? Why can't you take this here? Why can't you do this? I'm like, I don't know. I just can't. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, there's definitely that there's, and 
you know, and then the more that they learn, then the, the scareder they get right now. Like, well, why are you going to a protest? People, you know, can people shoot you at protests? Can you, it's, it's a really, it's a crazy time to be alive. And it's a crazy time to be raising children and trying to explain what's going on. Wow. Are you one of these people who's asking everyone if they've voted? Well, I, I will be honest. I have not voted yet. I have my ballot. I don't know exactly what I've been waiting for. I think I'm going to be so sad when I let it go. Like, I feel like it's my conch, but I have to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I've been phone banking. That's not fun. I hate phone banking. Wow. I know that Paula said she wanted to work on another book with you, and that's really awesome. Are you also doing stuff on the side just yourself? Like for your own writing, or are you waiting to do another one with her? I'm sort of, I mean, I'm always noodling on something. So I've been playing with these characters for a long time. It's an adult book, I hope. Although I always say that, and then it winds up being a YA book. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to take it from the perspective of the mom for, for a change. And I've been, I've been working with Rebel Girls, which is a really fun company that started Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. And I love the spirit of that whole, that whole team. They just had a virtual rally this weekend, which was really fun. And girls from all, I mean, people from all over the world joined in and it was led by girls who are, you know, young activists. And so I'm, yeah, I'm dipping into things, but my goal is definitely to write the next book with Paola and see what happens of these movie talks and things like that. That's exciting. Well, it's really good to see you again. <laughs> Me too. I know. We talked like right before this all happened, right I before know. the lockdown. You were like one of my last in-person, I feel like, interviews. And I don't know. It was another like Another like <laughs> No, through the screens. Got to know a lot of people. So. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, well, congrats on this book and it's success. Thank you. And, um, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Okay. okay. Take care. Everybody stay safe. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to today's sponsor, my bookshop.org and my Amazon influencer store. You can check out my Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books and my bookshop.org store, which is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And I hope that you will find every book that you are looking for. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 